0: Good morning, everyone. How are we dealing with Christmas? Christmas is in full flow. On behalf of all men, thank you for every wife that is doing the shopping for us. We deeply appreciate it. Uh, We could get it done, but it would be a heck of a lot more depressing than it actually is. So thank you. Welcome to Destination Church Belfast. It is great to see you. Everybody doing well? Yes, sort of. Smiling and nodding. Drinking coffee. Great. Offering tree boards. You're not going to offer me one, are you? At least it's not the Fistley Sweets. concerts. starts to speak we we'll bring out the fistly Sweets. Um, I want to do something intentional for those who are listening online. Um, I want to invite you to come. If you've been listening to us for some time um, and you've enjoyed or found benefit in our messages, then why not bring yourself here? Uh, we're going to have a service here on Christmas Eve and on New Year's Eve, so those who are on the podcast, you would be more than welcome to join us. Is that not right, church? Yeah. So please come. Okay, so last week we had Mr. Gordon do a fantastic job on talking about the light of love covering you. Did you get what he was communicating to you if you were here? It was good stuff, wasn't it? What I would encourage you to do is what we do every week on our Wednesday night small group, not saying nothing about Thursday night, we love you, but this is what we do. On a Wednesday night, what we do is ask him, um, what have you received or what did you hear from the message? So I would encourage you whenever you've uh, listened to the message, just be pondering, not I wouldn't try to eat the whole elephant. Just do it one bite at a time. So what what hits you about it? And for me, he talked about at-one-ment. Jesus died so that his sacrifice was the atonement, which means that we can have at-one-ment, which means we can have relationship. And it's his light that covers the love that covers you. So, I want to do a brief um, overview. We've talked about the light of love in lots of different ways that the light shines on us, that the light then shines in us as we partner with Him. And we're going to talk about the light shining in us today um, and how we can partner with that. And then ultimately, the light shines through us as we become who we're supposed to be. And often, all three are happening at once. If you've found nothing out about God, it is that He is doing a multitude of things all at once. All at once all the time. His ways aren't our ways. He'll do one thing that affects a nation just because you said yes. It just is quite incredible. He just has this ability to, uh, you know, well, it's in the natural world. You put a droplet into a lake, it's going to have an effect on the entire lake. You plant a seed, that seed could uh, create a forest if it's brought to maturity. Oh, he's here. Are you listening? So what God does whenever you think it's a little thing, it's actually huge if you stay with it. So often the light of love shines on us, innocent through us all at once. I'm going to hit you over the head with this again. You are deeply, specifically, and intimately known and loved by God. And Jesus Christ died for you to set you completely free. You are forgiven for all of it, for absolutely everything. His sacrifice was enough for everything. And you need to know that. We've looked in depth at forgiveness for ourselves and for others and the effect of unforgiveness on us and those around us. Andrew spoke to us about the light of the cross, that Jesus isn't on the cross anymore, and that the cross is a place of light and joy. And I have to say, it was like a shaft of light breaking through the clouds for me with that one. We so often um, just imagine him there and in the pain and the suffering of what he did. And yes, we need to know that, but he's not there anymore. So we need to go to the cross, we need to accept what he did, and we need to walk on. We are not sinners, we are saints. And you may uh, argue with me that that's semantics, but I'll argue back with you, no, no, it's about identity. We are saints who sin and get it wrong. Our base nature now is that we are saints. We are not sinners. We are new creations. And this morning I want to look at, have you got the slide up there, Pete? The light of love that consumes, that consumes. So stay with me, I'm going to... Uh, hammer you with some verses this morning. If you have your Bibles with me, you can join me. We're looking at Isaiah 6, uh, starting at verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. Sounds like a creature of Narnia or something like that, doesn't it? Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken from, or with tongues from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. And he said, Go and tell this people. This is from Hebrews twelve twenty-five to 27. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they, were, when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. And this is the last one, short and sweet. John 3.30, he must increase and I must decrease. I want to really quite systematically go through this verse, and I want to tie all of these verses together into what we're talking about this morning, about the light of love consuming us. First thing I want you to notice is Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. When what or who is dethroned, we see the one who really is on the throne. In the year that King Uzziah died, Now, for us, it might not be an actual physical death, but the light of love will bring death to the authority and position we give to anything or anyone we see on the throne of our lives before him. So this is all about priority. We've talked a lot about the light of love, and in some ways, you know, some of this stuff has been difficult from the point of view of you need to embrace that he loves you. That's a lovely thing to have to embrace. What? Brace yourselves. What we're talking about this morning is the more difficult stuff. Let this message poke you and prod you unto life. Remember that the only one that accuses is the enemy. A deceptive tongue crushes the spirit. I think it's Proverbs fifteen four, uh, but the tongue that that is full of life brings healing. God convicts. So this morning, if there's anything about this that you think I need to deal with this, then I would encourage you to deal with this because this is unto life. So when what or who is dethroned, we see the one who really is on the throne. So it might be a person. It might be a place or it might be a thing. It might be our job. It might be some role we play. might be some role we want to play. Something in our past that has defined us. And in the time when it dies, we are envisioned with who is really on the throne. So let's not isolate what the Holy Spirit does to the result of the thing. This is not primarily all about the vision of God, but it is. It's also about the fact that it was the year that King Uzziah died. So let the Holy Spirit bring to light anything in your life that you would put up above and on the throne uh, before the King of Kings where he is. We must be people who seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6:33. And in Jeremiah 29:11, God says, "You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart." So do you want to see him? Do you want to see him? Do you want to know what he's up to? Do you want to know what he has for you? Do you want to know what he's about in your life? Well, then seek him. Seek him with everything you've got, everywhere you go, everywhere you are, and I would also say to you, in every single person that you meet. He can get to anyone, anywhere, at any time. It's like the matrix. He can show up, and he may show up in ways and in people that you, it offends you that he shows up in, but he will show up if you have your eyes on the prize. I, uh, Isaac, my son Isaac, he's five. He got, a, it's a bit of a Where's Wally book. I think it's called Where's the Wookiee, for those of you who are Star Wars fans. Yeah. What's that you say, Che? Anyway, in the book, uh, as you look in it, it's got, it's got hundreds of people on the page. Isaac is amazing at this, and you've got to find the Wookie. And I'm looking at it going, let's get it, let's get it. Isaac go there he is. And I'm like, what? How did you do that? And then he go, there he is. And I'm like, no way that actually is where he is and then by the third page I'm like he's going to get this one he just finds it he finds it because that's what he's looking for this whole being a Christian and a living life with God at times is like playing where's Wally are you all familiar with where's Wally like where is he if you're asking that question you're already on the right path I just can't find him anywhere well, that might be because you're not looking for him but you don't know what happened to me I was seeking him and I didn't find him You give up. We don't want to give up on him. We find what we're looking for, and Jesus said as much. Matthew 7, 7, seek and you will find. And the amplified being the amplified amplifies it. And it says when you keep on seeking, when you keep on knocking, and when you keep on asking. And I am convinced that the Father at times, of course he hears us. But we ask him, and then we ask him, and then we ask him, and then we go, he's not answering me. He's going, I was just waiting for you to keep on going. I wanted to see how much you wanted to know what I, want, what I have for you. It's a relationship. He wants to see and he wants to know. <laughs> there was one time I kept asking him, um, and I kept asking him, and I kept asking him, and the Spirit said, that's enough now. I thought, right, that never happened before. <laughs> but I heard him. I was seeking him, and I heard him. So often we seek him, but we don't like the answer that he gives. I was in the shower one time, sorry for that visual image, but I was in the shower one time and I was asking him, God, why is it like this? Why is it like this? And the Spirit said, because he wants you to be dependent. And I went, oh, crap. So when you seek him and you don't give up, you'll find him. Don't stop looking. Seeking him also means that we stop seeking other things. Like the approval of others. Before the approval of God. Like money. Like possession. Like possession like this influence, like that thing. We've got to give up some stuff to be able to seek him. Second thing I want to say is that there is rich activity in heaven. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. All of heaven praises him and speaks the truth about him. Spiritual beings speaking spiritual truths bring a shaking to everything that can be shaken. Can I ask, are you spiritual beings? Do you know spiritual truths? Well, I'm just saying... But you can also bring a shaking. Oh, no, I could never do that. They're seraphim. No, no, don't miss the principle. They are spiritual beings uttering spiritual truths, and it causes a shaking. So don't underestimate when you give your testimony of what he's doing in your life. I think it's Revelation 19:10, is it? 19:11, that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, and prophecy causes a shaking. You are spiritual beings. And you know spiritual truths. So why don't you declare them? And it might bring a shaking. It will bring a shaking. It might not always be welcomed. Does that mean that we don't do it? Maybe some things need to be shaken. And maybe the people that are shaken and offended by the shaking in the end will be absolutely delighted with it because they're freer than they were before it started as we worship him there's a shaking we see him as he is and the temple fills with smoke which is symbolic in scripture of the presence of god psalm 22 verse 3 you are holy and you're enthroned on the praises of your people why at the end does andrew or mark and myself get up and we say okay he's here let's engage him because when we worship him he comes Worship is an invitation to his presence. And like it says in Psalm 22 verse 3, he is holy and he is enthroned on the praises of his people. Let me read Hebrews twelve, twenty-five to 27 again. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less we will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken. That is created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Let there be a shaking. Part of our engagement with God is he shakes stuff up. He shakes stuff up that is our security. In all of this, the reality of what's happening, and let's face it, this is the thing that we all fear. We all think, what? what if I ask him, what if I say, God, what do you want me to do? And he calls me to be a missionary. What if that's what it is? Well, it may not be, but I guarantee that you go after him. At the point that he's calling you to do something like that, he causes us to will and to act according to his good purpose. So the thing that they're most terrified of, actually, if that's for you, as you keep encountering him, you'll be changed. And the very thing that you didn't want in your soul will be what you want in your spirit. So don't worry about it. What drives out fear? And fear shows that we're immature because we don't know that we're secure and we're safe and we're loved. So don't be afraid. Maybe it won't be a nice process being shaken. Don't particularly enjoy it. But the result of it is phenomenal. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We leap from what we think is secure into his security. Yeah. And you're, you know, you don't remember, uh, how many of you have seen Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Is it the final crusade, last crusade? Do you remember? Yes, some of you, all of you. Remember the leap from the lion's head? Do you remember that bit where he's standing and he goes, there's nothing there. Oh, there's nothing there but his father's dying and he needs to get to the Holy Grail. So he's got some pressure on him. we bit of pressure will often force us to do the things that we don't want to do. Is that not right? You know, there are things that we would do when life's fine and dandy that we'll go, no, I'm never going to do that. But then a little bit of heat gets turned up and we go, oh, I'm not going to have to do this. Maybe he's the one turning up the heat. He wouldn't do that. He loves me. He loves you and he doesn't want to leave you the way that you are. But it, you don't understand. No, I really do. I don't know what you're experiencing, but I know of what you're experiencing. So if he's turning up the heat on you and it's forcing you to step into something that you don't know is even there, We walk by faith and not by sight. We all love bearing testimony to that. I don't particularly enjoy doing that. Sometimes I do. But the reality of this, when he says, I need you to leap now, and you go, oh, no, not again. Or for the first time, oh, but I can't see what you're going to do, and I don't know what it's going to look like, and I have these bills to pay, and I have this relationship to tend to, and I don't know about this, and you don't know about me in here. And then we actually leap, and we find sometimes that we're midair and we panic. You ever had that one? I remember I had done a leap of faith one time, and I was speaking to a, a, a pastor friend of mine, and he's in Africa, so he's a great accent. It added to the whole experience. I said, "This is where I'm at, and this is what's happening." And he said, "But you're still mid-air." So at that moment, still mid-air, Claire. So when you're leaping and you're going, I don't feel any security. Oh. We leap from what we think is secure to what is actually really secure. There is none like the God of Jeshurun who rides the heavens to your help. And through the skies in majesty, the eternal God is a dwelling place and underneath are the everlasting arms. He has got you. He has. Don't be afraid. You don't need to be. And there are some things that you will miss if you yield to that fear and you don't make the leap. But when we make the leap, like I've said before, when we do what we're called to do, we prophesy to others that they can do the same thing. We live by faith and not by sight. Okay, next thing. We are convicted in the light of his love and his presence. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty." Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. God wants us to know our sin. Oh, it's all got heavy now. And he wants us to know the sin of our people. This is not hopeless. This is actually Hopeful. And we are convicted in his presence because we're safe and secure there. The enemy doesn't convict you. He slimes you and accuses you and tells you how awful you are and how horrible you are and speaks to your identity and says, that's who you are. That thing that you do, that's who you are. Whereas on what the Lord does is he says, let's deal with this son, because then it means that who you really are can blossom. The enemy accuses unto destroying us, and God convicts us unto making us whole. John eight 32, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus is the provision to cover our sins, and we have talked about that in great depth. It's the light of God's love that exposes us to our, don't miss this, to ourselves. That we might disclose ourselves to God, that he might cover us. Can I say that again? The light of love exposes us to ourselves. If you started the journey with us, have you not discovered the stuff that's in your life? Sometimes it's like, I did not realize that I did that. He uncovers uh, his life and love, light and love, uncovers us and exposes us to ourselves that we might disclose ourselves to God that he might cover us. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is freedom. 2 Corinthians three sixteen to 18. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And when there's, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the glory of the Lord are being transformed into His image with intensifying glory which comes from the Lord. He is the Spirit. It is the grace of God that catches you. Have you ever heard? Uh, I remember. I think I can't remember what book it was in, but I remember reading about this guy who uh, repeatedly was breaking the speed limit, and always prayed that God would sort of let him away. With you know, it was like, just hide me, hide me, so that this is all right. And the guy who was writing the book made the point: it's the grace of God that catches you. You want to be found out? I know you don't. Your soul man's going. No, you don't. Get out of here. This church is speaking heresy. Your soul man can go nuts at this, all right? Let it. Just let it scream in the corner. Your spirit is going, please catch me. I want to be caught so I don't have to deal with the, uh, the impact and the lack of wholeness and what I feel after I've done those things. It is the grace of God that catches you. I was playing uh, poker one time. There was no money involved, all right? Okay, I was not gambling, all right? It was actually with other Christians, which of course makes it totally fine. Uh, so we were playing poker, and uh, this one guy said, uh, wouldn't it be great if you had the Holy Spirit with you when you were playing, playing poker? This other guy said, yeah, he'd say stop gambling. <laughs> we, we do this, the rub the magic genie. God, make it all right, make it all right, just make it okay, make it okay. And God's actually going, make it okay, make it okay. You need to feel the pain of what you've done. Because pain often is the very thing that causes us to bring about change. He does it because he loves us. He's not mean. You can see it as him being mean. He's not mean. He's good. Have you found that as you keep exposing yourself to God, that He you see more of who you are, more of the possibility, the potential, more of what you've got under the hood, for good and for bad? God will not let you escape from for what from. I can't even say this. God will not let you escape from what you shouldn't escape from. Now you can run, but you cannot hide. And I would rather not do it, Jonah. In the middle of the whale, in the bottom of the sea, going, all right, God, you finally caught me. And then the experience of being thrown up by a whale, I would rather not have that. So you can run and you can't hide. But what I would say is just don't escape. Don't escape to that thing, to that thing you do, to that place, to whatever it is, just stand there and go, all right, this isn't very nice, but I know that he's good. He wants to love you into wholeness. The light exposes what inhibits the shining of his light through us. And it's only what the light consumes that it shines through. Nobody notices the the glass of a light bulb. Am I right? Really? Unless there's something on the light bulb, at which point you're going to clear that off. Because the purpose of a light bulb is that it emits light. So if you've got stuff on the glass of your light, then just let the light consume it. It is the transparency of the glass that allows the light to shine through. God wants you to be tr- transparent so that he can shine through you. Don't receive any accusation in this, folks, at all. If you've thought and you're feeling yuck and it's like you did this and you did this and you did this, that's not what this is about. This is unto wholeness and unto life, okay? God wants you to be transparent so that he can shine through you. So let the light of love consume you. Let me read Matthew 17, 1-2. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, led them up a high mountain by themselves, and there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. He wants to shine through you. When Jesus uh, was transfigured, who he really, really is, Was revealed and he wants to reveal who you are. There was nothing in Jesus that inhibited the light. And you might do the whole, well, I'm not Jesus. Well, can I tell you you're called to be? You are Jesus Christ in this earth. You are little Christs. So anything that's inhibiting the light shine through you, please, please deal with it. If you want them to shine through you, you've got to let them shine in you, and it means that we've got to deal with their stuff. John 3.30, he must increase and I must decrease. Could I get you guys to join me up at the front? The last thing I want to say is that in this whole process, you'll hear the call of God. Then we have to choose to respond to the call of God in one of two ways. One being, let me just leave that for now, which really is I don't want to respond to that. The other is, I need to do that. Here I am, send me. And then you'll hear the commission of God, which is go. Go now and speak to these people. So you'll hear the call of God. You respond to the call of God either by saying yes or by saying no. And by not responding, you're also saying no. And you'll hear the commission of God. And let me warn you and encourage you with this. As many years ago, I was warned and encouraged as well. For many are called, but few are chosen. Matthew twenty two fourteen. Why is that? I think because of the cost of the call. You want to respond to him, it's going to cost you everything. But I want to say to you that it is going to be more glorious beyond what you could ever possibly imagine. And actually, when you get to the point of paying the price for things, you all know this, anything you pay the price for in God, would you not do it all over again? It's been difficult, it hurts, you wouldn't want to have to do it, but if you had to, to be where you are and to be with him, you would do it all over again. So as always, we have some questions to help you to respond. So if I could get you all to stand up. And I would encourage you as always, you don't need to have to be able to say yes to respond. If you felt in any way the presence of the Spirit either resting quite heavily on you, uh, as in you feel quite heavy, that can either be one of two things. It could be that you're under accusation, which will crush you, or else you're under conviction, which is unto wholeness and unto life, and you need to discern that. But either way, let me encourage you to come to the front. Do you need to dethrone some kings in your life so that you can seek the king? Is there anything that you think has a a place and a position that sits on the throne in your life above uh, the Lord Almighty? The next thing I want to ask is, are you afraid of the shaking? Have you got some fear when we talk about all this? You're just thinking, oh no, this is going to hurt. I don't want to do this. Well, if that's you, then please join me. And are there any issues that you know that you need to deal with? That's a difficult one. But we want to be a community known for his love who are transparent with God and with each other. So if you can answer yes to any of those questions or you just want to be ministered to, please come and join me now at the front. Holy Spirit, we recognize your presence with us this morning. we we ask that you would help us to do what we really don't want to do. But we want to know you. We want to pay the price of the call in our lives. We want to give our yes and our amen to what you're asking us to do. Because we know that you have life in all its fullness for us. So would you come this morning?